this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode. Thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. And speaking of the union, Jay, we're doing a union patron selected episode. It's noon here. Well, it's 11 for you, Jay, but it's noon for me, which means we are talking to someone on another side, other side of the planet, because we normally don't record at such an hour. This is an ungodly <laughs> hour for us to record. Uh, we're still we're still waking up uh, from from the weekend, but it's already like dinner time or supper time or whatever they call it over in the UK. <laughs> yes. Tea time. Tea, Tea. time. Nice. <laughs> Uh, who we got over there? Introduce yourselves, gentlemen. Well, I'm Darren, uh, uh, living in London, but Aussie, and I have my friend Grant and, and yeah. sound guy. I'm uh, Darren Sidekick. <laughs> again, again, one year on from uh, the last album, which was uh, Ammonia. So uh, today's Powderfinger Double Allergic. Yeah, excellent. Yes. So we, you were you were with us last year. We did Ammonia's Mid 400, which was the second ammonia album that we did because we originally did their first album way back in the first season oh, you did and their second now, album. or we did their second album yeah. but we did the second album first which was Correct. confusing <laughs> uh and now you're back and we're doing another album by a band that we previously talked about uh we previously did the album odyssey number five Correct. Which came out in 2000. That was a pick by Darren Svedson. Also a pick by a Darren. The other Darren. Mm. <laughs> is, he, is he Aussie, by the way? No. Oh. No. That Darren He's Canadian. is Canadian. And we have a Darren Lehman, who's yeah. Australian, but living in no. the UK. No, that's, no? that's hey. Darren Leach. <laughs> Darren Lehman. Oh, I thought you were in Australia. No, they're uh, in the UK. Oh my gosh! All you Darrens are so confusing. In the time, oh, well, this is so was, bewitched. Yeah, when I became a member, I was in Oz, but uh, I've moved back to London. It's my third time, just to confuse everyone. So yeah. <laughs> so two thousand uh, uh, Odyssey number five came out in two thousand. Uh, we discussed that record. Gosh, when was that? It was. Let me just let me just double check here. That was twenty nineteen. We talked about that record back. Uh, episode 434 season nine and oh it was such 2019 before everything went to hell that was such a Uh, (laughs) such a nice time (laughs) can i ask what was no result of that did you did you like it like i can't remember i looked back at our review or our summation and we liked the record but found that there was too much consistency amongst the song tempos and it got a little dull after a while that there wasn't a, wasn't a lot of diversity in the uh, in the tracks, and that's their biggest selling album. That's their well, I don't I don't want to say breakthrough album, but that was their commercial 
breakthrough album. Yeah, that's yeah, what, yeah. Yep. Radio this uh, uh, yeah, this album we're going to discuss today was their breakthrough album, but on the Triple J level, and then right Odyssey number five, four years, five years later, whatever it was, that was their commercial uh, breakthrough. Because uh, I was chatting to Grant earlier that that was when uh, commercial radio started playing. Um, my happiness, the, the first single off that album. So, mm-hmm. um, so th- this was a Triple J hit. We've, you've heard us talk about Triple J a lot. So this mm-hmm. was a hit. and then Odyssey Number no. Five was the commercial radio hit. That's why it sold so many. It actually sold probably, oh geez, probably six or seven platinum just in Australia alone. Mm. And Jay, correct me if I'm wrong, but Odyssey Number no. Five was the album that got pushed to the United States, right? It was, and I I listened to it a lot at the time. Um, actually, my wife loves that album, which she doesn't love many albums, but for whatever wow. reason that connected. Mm. Um, yeah, it got pushed here pretty well. I, I remember probably uh, I found that at the Virgin Megastore when they still had listening booths and you know CDs were booming and you could still go to a record store and discover things. And I think I don't know that they did much in the states after that. that was no peak. Jay, did, did you go backwards after that? Did they try and push the previous records or? Um, I remembered sampling the next one and As I the started to go and back. Yeah, backwards to Internationalist and then it was this album, yeah. Double yeah. Allergic. And I, I sampled some things time to, from time to time, but I had, didn't spend a ton of time with any yeah. particular record. I'm just wondering if, yeah, they, if even America even pushed those two albums. I, they might not have even been in the regular section. Like you might, Virgin mm. Record Store had an import section where albums that weren't necessarily released in the US but were available, you could buy them for like three times the cost of a normal yeah. record. <laughs> uh, but I, I remember this was the time in terms of 2000 when Radiohead had sort of been cast off because they be- become weird. And mm. so you had bands like Coldplay and Travis from the UK that were getting pushed as like the next Radiohead, like the softer Radiohead. And I then mean, you had bands like this and a few other ones that were sort of getting pushed as if you liked Radiohead, you'll probably dig this. <laughs> Which was interesting because no. I doesn't hear it. I don't hear it now. Yeah, my stump was no. Not <laughs> <Yeah>. true. <laughs> There's only one right ahead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. And I think a lot of that was like, hey, this band is not from America. <laughs> so they're like Radiohead, their alternative band from somewhere uh, else. Yeah. Right. Yes, exactly. Uh, and they, so, they kind of sound smart. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of info on this record. It came out in September of 1996 on Polydor Records, produced with the band and Tim Witten. Uh, there were three singles released, sorry, four singles released, Pick You Up, DAF, Living Type, and Take Me In. Pick Me Up was the most successful single, reached number 23 on the ARIA charts. And the album, uh, did that win an award or was it just nominated? Nominated. So we were just looking at that and there was 10 nominations and they won zero. <laughs> Donuts. Yeah, they did play that year. I remember on the yeah. areas. Yeah, they played pick. Yeah, it was hilarious. I'm, I've pick got it. Up. I've got it here, and it's. Is it, it pick you up or pick me up? I can't even pick you up. Pick yeah. you pick up. Pick you up. Yeah, yes. nominated for everything: single of the year, song of the year, whatever the difference is. Producer mm. of the year, best alternative release, best group, high selling album, 
et cetera, et cetera, zero. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting that uh, they, that's a, that's like some Susie Lucci, Susan Lucci numbers for the old timers who know what that's about. Um, and the, so this was their second record. You mentioned Internationalist came out in 98. That was a follow-up record. And so I, one interesting note about this record that I read, when they were in production, um, they'd previously worked with Tony Cohen. Um, and when they brought, decided to use Tim Witten, um, they actually ended up, like, there was like a, a deal with like how much they were spending on their records. They actually ended up spending less on this album than their debut, which normally you think about it, like you get your, your debut album, you're, you're kind of like going with limited budget, but, and then you get the big budget on the second record to prove yourself. And it was the opposite with them. They actually cut back and relied more on like being a, economical in the studio and I, I would imagine that paid off. I mean, this sold th- triple platinum in Australia. Um, yeah, two hundred. I think I read two hundred and thirty thousand sales or something. Yes. Just, yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty good for Australia. Yeah, that's a hell of a lot. Yeah. Mm. If you go platinum, that's good. That's seventy. Yeah. 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 And then considering all those singles, I'm sure those were CD singles at the time that uh, probably. Had extra. I'm assuming there were extra tracks in those CD singles, and those were all pretty decent chart positions. So those had some sales as well behind them. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of. Um, they were on a TV show called Recovery a lot um, back then as well. Um, yeah, that and the second record as well. They they must have done like three or four appearances on there. Yeah, um, yeah. That, yeah. They really pushed record sales and absolutely. Yeah, all the festival experience, uh, festival appearances they were doing as well. Yeah. Well, that's when Recovery and Triple J, yeah, that, yeah, they pushed album sales big time. Yeah, huge. Yeah. 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 Well, let's get into some of our Patreon comments before we talk about the record. Uh, we'll talk about the poll results at the end of the show, but here's some comments. Uh, Kyle Bittner said, going into this, I was very familiar with Odyssey number five, but vaguely familiar with this album. In the end, it lacked the bombast of number five. And came across as more straight late '90s rock as a straight late '90s rock album. For the most part, I enjoyed it uh, up to "Living Type," but the rest of the songs sound like B sides from a live album. The band live, not Powderfinger live. Oh right, the them band. fighting words. Wow, bring well, it on. Well, that is. <laughs> yeah. And then you responded, "I'm gonna rain. I'm gonna faint." Well, <laughs> Yeah, like, come on. <coughs> Powderfinger do not sound like live. Come on. I don't, I don't. To right, me, now you mention it. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh-oh. You haven't heard our comments yet, Darren. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> there, was, there, was a, there was a lack of placenta talk on this record, though. Um, <laughs> uh, Willie, Billen said, Willie Dillon said, great band, great album. For some reason, it only now occurred to me that Powderfinger is at times kind of like the Black Crows of Australia, except they have more of a 90s sound, which makes them, which makes me like them more. That's an interesting comparison. Um, Unlike Kyle, I've never thought of the band live while listening to Powderfinger, unfortunately. The production (laughs) on the album is pretty good, even if it could use a more dynamic master. Um. 
He yeah, did, and Kyle, then Kyle responded, just the last three tracks made me think of live, not the band as a whole. Powderfinger lay waste to live. Now, hang on. <laughs> is, that the, is that the hidden tracks? Because we'll talk about this soon. There's, there's like 18 hidden tracks on this well, three, album. Right. Three. This is a 90s album, so there's hidden tracks. I mean, yeah. that's... Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's like a whole other record of hidden tracks on here. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Adam Rogan says, I've always enjoyed this singer's voice. There are some good songs on here, but I'm not feeling the last few songs pl- plus all those hidden tracks. I vote better EP. Uh, so he must be on, including, uh, you know, uh, if we're looking at the, at the, we must be talking about. How do you not like Take Me In? That was, that is, that's, that was one of the singles in Straight Ahead. <laughs> it's got a great guitar riff anyway. Yeah. Gavin. Uh, down in Australia says definitely a worthy album a couple of anthems and solid rock tracks only criticism is it can be a bit samey and isn't overly adventurous closer to snow patrol than live if I'm describing to aliens but happier to avoid either comparison but of a challenge to my uh, a challenge to my fellow Aussies to choose things from outside the JJ the triple J's Hottest top 100. See Jebediah uh, coming up next. Not a criticism, just a thirst for the dig. Actually, I take it back. Listening again, I hear why Kyle heard live. It's to kick into the really big, loud, fast chorus thing. Never noticed it before because, for me, live came after Powderfinger. Interesting. Well, I think in in actual true chronology, live was before. was. Throwing Copper was 95. Right, and and that was their second album. Albums. Yeah, but the breakthrough album. I yeah. could hear Bernard Fanning singing live songs, and I could hear Ed was a Kowalczyk. Yeah, singing Powderfinger songs, and they don't sound like Snow Patrol. <laughs> no, they don't. Christ, yeah, not, not <laughs> Snow <laughs> Patrol. <laughs> well, have you album. heard early Snow Patrol though? It was a bit more lo-fi though back then. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah, they were a little more lo-fi, a little more noisy, and yeah. Once you get to um. The, the one huge song that they had, then it becomes all second Chasing, generation Coldplay yeah. and Yeah, yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> but but like oh. like Idlewild, their like first album or so is like pretty noisy and loud. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 It's way different to their second well onwards, second onwards. Yeah. Yes. Mm. First, I saw them last year, by the way. Great. Great gig. Idlewild. <laughs> yeah. Twenty yeah. fifth anniversary. Great show. The first yeah, first three Idlewild albums are great. Um, but then they yes. had a deep drop off. It's like I think REM are to blame for a lot of these bands kind of going off the deep end in a way. Like, <laughs> there's so many bands that's like, oh yeah, now, you know they're they're really good. The first three albums are great, and then you know they get into REM. Like there's another Australian band, something for Kate, who he just really Thank got you. into REM at one point, and then they just turned really bland. But I love Sorry, REM. Kate. Don't get me wrong, but I think the influence they have on bands is not great sometimes. <laughs> The same thing could be said of Velvet Underground. There's a lot of bands that try to sound like the Velvet Underground and don't pull it off. Yeah. Let's talk about Powderfinger, Jay. Tell me one thing you liked about Double Allergic. Well, the vocals stand out. He's always, um, you know, the time I spent with the Odyssey number five and um, when I've sampled this band in the past, he's always stood out as having a distinctive voice. And it's, it doesn't sound like a typical 90s voice either, which I like because what the music presents is it's similar to live or per, this, the, the Pearl Jam era of this time, like Vitalogy um, era Pearl Jam. So 
it's a mix of like, you know, all sounding guitars, kind of fuzzy mixing clean, lots of texture. Um, but even, even sometimes getting a little dirgy, you know, I, I hear some stuff on here, uh, that is also reminiscent of like an Alice in Chains, either melody, like a Jerry Cantrell style melody on skinny jean, um, in the B part of that song, or even some of the riffs, uh, can get, you know, fairly, I guess, heavy and dirgy, like boing, boing. The vocal is what makes it so distinct and I think elevates, not that the music's bad in any way, but I think the music on its own would be, you know, could be written off as typical 90s alt rock. Um, but I think the vocal, it just so above many of the other bands of the time and, and it just holds up so well. It doesn't sound dated at all. Um, he can sing pretty much anything, you know, he can be powerful and aggressive. He can do rhythmic stuff. He can do melodic stuff. You know, there's some songs where there's not a lot of movement on the melody, but because his tone is so good um, and his control is so good that it works great. Um, he can step out of the way and let the band shine a little bit, which is also helpful. You know, it's not all about the vocal, but there's something about the combination of how that vocal sits on top of these um, you know, the, the guitars and that make it distinct to me, um, it elevates to a different place. So I enjoyed some of the similarities that it has with, like I said, Pearl Jam, I do hear live on here. I think a song like DAF sounds a little like live minus like the quirky vocals and lyrics, um, from live. I think, is it OIPIC or OPIC? Sounds a little bit like live. It also, at the same time, there's bits of it that sound a little bit like classic rock. A bad company comes to mind. So there's this really interesting like mix of 90s and sort of straight up commercial rock. But I think there's a vocal that's really unique and strong. And I think a band that's super tight too. I mean, th these are really great players. I, I love the guitar playing on this record. It's subtle but very melodic. The tones are great. Um, I think the drumming is also deceptively simple, but, um, but also I think better than a lot of personally, I think better than that era of Pearl Jam. Like there's very similar like approaches, but there's some, something about the feel here that's much more active and full of energy. Um, so I think the playing is super solid. Everything sounds really well crafted too. You know, the dynamics are well considered. 
you know, when things get fuzzy, I also notice like they use different snare tones, which is really clever to help the, the drums kind of cut through when the, when you hear the guitars get a little bit more mid heavy or bass heavy, you can hear like there's changes in the guitar tones, which is interesting to hear that they spent less on this record because um, I think there's a lot of smart production um, mm. going on here. That's, you know, subtle and not, over, you know, none of it is over the top or like in your face, but you can hear like, there's a really um, sophisticated take on like, how do we make room for everybody? You know, how do we make sure all the guitars come through? Everything's punchy. You can hear the bass. You know, there's some, some tunes on here that have some great bass lines too. Um, so, you know, overall, it's a really solid band um, that, you know, for the most part stays within a alt 90s alt rock space, but elevates because I think the singing is so good and the vocal melodies are so strong. What about you, Tim? Well, I, I think that there's a little bit more going on than just being a typical 90s rock band with regards to the music i feel like they do stretch quite a bit um you brought up boing boing if you were to replace his vocal with sean smith on that song it would sound like a satchel song like the way that they incorporate that vibrato guitar and then that really chunky distorted guitar but then the the percussion and that the way that they like the snare on that song, it's a really, really loud snare on that one particular track. It reminded me mm -hmm. a lot of like EDC early satchel when there was a bit more experimentation going on. And mm -hmm. there, I liked that, that they messed around with the production in terms of almost every song, the guitar, I don't know which guitarist, they have two guitarists, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I'm not sure who is doing what on what particular song, but almost every song starts with a different uh, sound. It's not always a clean guitar. There is some where there's a bit of like a, a vibrato or a chorus guitar with some picking. Um, there's a lot of like little guitar parts flowing in and out that are interesting that when i think of a lot of 90s bands you know they didn't really they kind of just stuck to like distortion and clean in a lot of ways and maybe they would kick on like a little bit of chorus or delay or something like that but there's some interesting things that are happening um with lice i also like you mentioned oipic i'm gonna call it that um which has that three four swing but I liked when the cello, I think it's a cello that comes in. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. It just adds a nice dimension and thickness to that song that I think a lesser band wouldn't have figured out to use.
I was just really impressed. Like I listened to this over and over again and just, you know, his voice, like you said, it's like incredibly solid. Um, almost to a fault. Like I, 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 you, you kind of miss how good of a singer is he, he is because he's so good. Like it's so, and so perfect for what they're doing that you kind of have to lean in and listen to some of these musical parts because there's a lot of interesting stuff happening that if you're just listening for like a, a general listen, you might not pick up, but putting on the headphones and like really yeah. hearing a lot of the production stuff that's happening um, really worked for me. There's great, there's great use of guitar effects too. Yes. Like using the right effect to help like when you bring a second guitar in or overdub a third, like picking the right effect to take it to a very different place than you'd expect. Um, I seem I to remember. Also, sorry, I, I, I seem to remember from the booklet when I was when I had it when I was a kid. There was a picture of like all the instruments they used on the record, and I think they had like one of those you know boss multi effects kind of things, mm. which would kind of explain why the overuse of phaser and you know tremolo and stuff like that that it's not like subtle they're like that's the tremolo it's mm. like it's all right tremolo. yeah yeah but i think a song like turtles head like the way he's playing that and the effect on it it makes the guitar sound like an organ it's really interesting like when you just yeah. focus on that main guitar part I, I was trying to like picture in my head how he's doing that and it's i think a combination of just the way the strumming and the maybe effects but it's a it's a very unique sound. And I think, Tim, your call out of Satchel and even Brad, you know, with um, Stone Gossard on guitar is a great one because it, it, it also has like that, I don't know, that like extra level of soul that that band had and groove that maybe you didn't hear in Pearl Jam as much, which tended to be a little bit more straightforward and have just less feel in that way. So I, I think that's a good call out. So what, uh, you know, Darren, we're bringing this up after 20 something years. What, what is it that works best for you all these years? I, I, I like how it's to me, like I'm not a muso. So, uh, to me, it, it sounds like a, quite a simple album, but you know, it, it's not anything, um, too extravagant. Obviously I was quite young back then, but right. it, me, to me, it was just like a, a simple rock record. And I was looking back at what I was listening to in 1996 and there wasn't a hell of a lot. So I think it came out at the right time. But I think what I like about it is a lot of albums back then were heavily, um, you know, the singles were always first, you know, it was always a strong first five songs or something like that. And when I look back at these tracks, like Skinny Jean, uh, it's kind of a, you know, a bit of a somber song. It's quite slow, but it's a good intro to it into the album then it's turtle head turtle's head and then then it's the single the big single so the third one so it takes three songs to get into it and then obviously daf is after that and then boing boing is actually my favorite song it is so different to pick you up and daf so i just think it's i say, I say it's a simple record but every, everything's quite diverse i i feel and then yeah, Oipik. Actually, when I was listening again today to Oipik, I just went, yeah, there's strings. I don't think I ever noticed that before. <laughs> so, uh, And it worked. It didn't sound like they were going, let's just add strings because, you know, maybe a lot of bands were adding strings back then. I, I, I don't know is the answer. But 
Was uh, this post Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness? That was 95, I believe, yeah. wasn't it? So yeah. Maybe like tonight, tonight, and that whole thing kind maybe. of worked its way into this. Yeah. Movie. Who knows? But then I, I also love JC. I think JC is such a cool song. Yeah. You know, um, Triple J, as I said, they didn't just play Pick You Up a thousand times. They would play DAF, they would play JC. So I got to know the album over radio and then I obviously bought it later on. So. Mm. Mm. What are you, Grant? Um, yeah, it was a big word of mouth kind of album, I think. Like, because I was still in, I was like 14, I was in school. Um, and yeah, all the kids just started like, I think it might have been like around CD burner kind of time. You know, do you reckon 96? Yeah, maybe. Maybe it was a bit before that, but maybe, maybe we were still that. sharing cassettes. Cassettes. But yeah. But yeah, every, you know, you get one cassette and then someone else would get it and someone else would get it. And then you'd run into the, the same kids from school at, mm. at, the, at the gigs and, um yeah it just it seemed like there was a real kind of um you know word of mouth thing going on yeah. with powderfinger at the time um, I've, I've got to just say that you've got to put it in context with their previous album their previous album stiffed big time and not even the band like it they've discussed this there's a documentary on the band which was released about five years ago which i do recommend actually watching it's quite good and they just don't like the record because they say it's not their album so th- i feel this is the sound of powderfinger to come you know, um, Internationalist was it's a strong album, but it's it's different to this album. And then obviously number five, but you can see you know the breadcrumbs from everything. So uh, even Vulture Street, which I think is a very strong record, uh, you can you can hear Vulture Street in this album as well. So yeah, how, really, what, how would you describe the record before this? Like, what did it generally sound no, like? That, that would well, <laughs> Soundgarden B sides and yeah, 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 screaming yeah. trees kind of. Yeah. yeah, but I'll, I'll let oh, you know wow. that in 94, they supported Pantera in Australia. <laughs> and apparently what? they were, they were <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. No oh way. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Off stage. Uh, look, I didn't go to the gig, but this is all, you know, anecdotal, what I've yeah. heard. Um, uh, the band didn't, didn't enjoy it. Like, they didn't enjoy the recording of that album or anything. So, and they discussed this in this documentary and that. But it's, but they don't sound anything like Pantera. No, it's right. like, why? Why why would you put that back? Apparently Silverchair was also the support act. <laughs> so Powderfinger, Silverchair, then Powderfinger, then Pantera, which both of them don't, I think, suit the Pantera crowd. But um, No, not at all. Yeah. But it yeah, it's it's dirgy. Yeah, you're right. It sounds like uh, sound Soundgarden B sides. Yeah, it's yeah. real dirgy and slow and ugh. Yeah. It's fine, but it's not. It's not. It it's, doesn't it's sound particularly great either. Um, I, I, I think Gavin won't agree because I think he mentioned he likes the first album, but um, it's it's not a good look. It's not a good record. It's not the Powderfinger sound. You know, I think they're still trying to find their sound, and that this album, they find their sound. I think they they're allowed to find their sound. Like they, th- I think they use the real pro- uh, the the right producer, and they had the time with it. And I think I think they were going to get dumped by their record company, but because because pick you up did so well um polydor whoever it was just went all right <laughs> this sounds good <laughs> and it started to sell yeah the rest you mentioned it. um skinny jean as the opener i i like that as the opener because right it mm. definitely sets a mood for the record it kind of mm. reminded me of like oddly enough the way that that sort of muted guitar thing that's going on and the and the and the slinkiness kind of of it reminded me of like a more commercial shudder to think in a in a way which is a a Mm. very weird and 
non-commercial band, but they yeah. somehow tap into that. I think one of the things also you mentioned production on this record um when they I mean they do the the quiet loud thing a lot which was of that was of the time you know everybody was doing that but they do it in different ways which I appreciated sometimes it comes in and it is blaringly loud and the, the guitar sounds much more direct than the, the maybe the verse guitar and then there are other times where it's a bit more refined and I don't know if they did that based on whether it was going to be a single or an album track or not, but I did enjoy that they messed around with the formula a little bit where, yeah, we're going to get loud here, but it's not going to be the same kind of loud that we just did in the last song, mm -hmm. yeah. which, which is good production and good engineering and having a sense of these songs being different from each other. And how about the lyrics on that song? Like, it feels like, I mean, it's not, to me, like now we would reference all that as like, oh, these are all hipster references, like Kenyan wood-fired pizzas and tandoori pizzas <laughs> and skinny jeans and Brazilian roast beans and like this whole, like what we would call as, you know, hipster culture. Right. But this is 1996. What was Brisbane <laughs> like in 1996? Yeah. Were you there? Did you go there? Were, really. were you living in the future? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I don't remember skinny jeans being like hip in 96. I remember. I don't being think like, they were. Oh, I probably only yeah. for us, really. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely didn't wear them. I had the, the baggy ones because that's what you right. wore. <laughs> yeah. Right. It was it was baggy jeans uh, and flannels. That was our that was our look yeah, true, in, the, true, true, true. in the 90s. Um, Jay, is there anything that doesn't work for you on this record? I felt like my passive listens, uh it was harder to get into the record it took me like to really spend time with it you know i think it was like you know listen four five six i started to pick up on the hooks i started to get in and understand the nuance of some of the dynamics not that i disliked it on the early listens it just it took some time um with the record for it to grow on me i think having some familiarity with Odyssey number five helped because I started to like tune into the things I liked about that record and the way he sings. And I think that brought me along in the end. Um, when I sort of really analyzed it and took notes, it was really songs like maybe living type that feel like they meander a bit and don't quite really get anywhere particular. Amazing uh, return of the electric, electric horse. And then the whole EP of, bonus tracks um you know all felt like you know rough ideas or just generic ish 
alt rock, like nothing in there really stood out. So there, there were um, a couple tracks here and there that were not spectacular and it just took some time to get into it and really, I think, pick up on the, um, some of the melodic uh, ideas and some of the hooks. Um, So I can kind of hear and understand some of the er the feedback we got, you know, from Patreon that uh, had it in the EP space for that reason. But as I dug into it more, um, you know, I found more and more I liked about it. What didn't work for you, Tim? I I agree. There's a couple tracks and there's just a few that made me go, this doesn't work. This shouldn't be on the record. Like Glimpse, I find to be, man, that was like such an interesting idea to do the falsetto. It could have been used in another way, but that track just like does not cohere for me. It just does not come together as a, and I realize it's only a minute and 43 seconds. So it's just supposed to be like this idea of, you know, whatever they're trying to do here. It's not a single, but I was like, oh, there's one good idea here and maybe you should apply it to a different song. (laughs) (laughs) It's my note on that was like, oh, this is an experimental track, like a studio track that they probably, it sounds like they're just coming up with on the spot, but I'll, which is typical for a nineties record, but I found it listenable. Like often on these experimental tracks when we review records, I'm like, next, like, I don't have time for this. (laughs) Yeah, noodling around the studio for four and a half minutes and not making any sense but <laughs> i think maybe because of that falsetto i was i'm with you it was like oh this is kind of interesting take on how to handle his vocal and it's only a minute and a half or whatever it is so. um the but next I, track take me in which i know is a single but the constant palm muting that chugga 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 that he that's going on in that song <laughs> Kind of drove me nuts after a while. I'm like, dude, just play the riff. Like, stop. <laughs> like, yeah. and because yeah. I think because the drummer was also like hitting something on a cymbal at the same time. So it was like there was a there was a constant tapping that was happening when that was happening. It sounded like he was hitting like the bell of the of the cymbal, you know, like the little round part mm-hmm. at the top. Is that what that's called? Ride uh the yep. ride bell. It 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 yep. sounded like and it was just like, why does this sound like a train? Like, this sounds like the beginning of Train of Consequences by Megadeth. I don't know. Like, I don't understand <laughs> what is going on here. Um, so I understand why people maybe when they got to that after like JC, I think JC is a cool song. And I actually think if you had ended the record on JC and then then done maybe like two or three hidden tracks, it m- might have worked better for me. Um, but like Glimpse and Take Me In are just like weird choices of things that are happening and yeah i don't mind them in terms of the context of we need a couple of you know album tracks that go off in different directions but on repeated listens i was like i don't i don't want to hear this next um i just want to focus on the songs that work for me take me and also it gets into like an angsty territory that i just don't think fits them right it just doesn't sound right on them with his vocal style um yeah, I, there's so more I'm of a smoothness that to that, to their sound, and a, a more like sophistication yeah. than just balls out screaming and and a, yeah. a, a t- guitar attack the way it happens in there that just mm-hmm. didn't work. That's why, like, I made notes on the on the hidden tracks as well, <laughs> and um, like there is one part. Is it come away where they get in? I think those are because they're divided up into word into names where they get in like almost like a metal 
that that thing. was weird. That, yeah. that was weird. Yeah, but, and I was like, <laughs> "What are you doing?" Like, yeah, yeah that was <laughs> bizarre. And I go, "Okay, it's a hidden track. I'm not supposed to really wow. consider it, but you recorded it and you put it on the record, so I do have to consider it." I think I read earlier that yeah. that was the B side to pick pick you up as well. Uh, that, that was that it. one with yeah. the little, little okay. drum bit. It seems like two tracks because it's actually well, I I don't think that's divided, is it? Because it's kind of a real track at first. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it? The word I'm a man, I'm a man. Blah blah blah. blah. That's that. And then it goes into that metal bit. Yeah. It's like what the hell? This is two different songs. Yeah, it looks like that. That sounds like they were trying to like shed that yeah. first record a little bit. That's why I kind of joked it was eighteen because it just didn't seem. Yeah. Like well, if you go to track. if you go to Spotify, it's actually yeah, divided right. in. It says "Return of the Electric Horseman," then Vladimir, then SS, then Come Away, and then Track Sixteen. Yeah. So they they mark it as five individual tracks, so four mm. hidden tracks. Mm. Um. And so I don't know exactly where "Come Away" and Track Sixteen begin and end, uh, but um, I was going with "Come Away" as the metal song, and that just did not. No, it doesn't. It doesn't work at all. It's bad. <laughs> doesn't it last like 30 seconds or something? Just that metal bit? I don't know. It's, yeah, not, it's just it's a chorus, wrong. like a, a bad chorus. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Anything that w- didn't work or doesn't hold up over time for you guys? I Well, Return of the Electric Horseman on like all these years later is probably one of my favorite tracks on the record, oh, to be okay. honest. I don't know. It just does something to me now that didn't back then but like all the all the i mean i kind of like this another like mint 400 this is like one of the albums i kind of learned guitar to and you know i've got like a very um you know sentimental attachment to it yeah so um yeah i I mean boing boing one of my favorites Mm, mm. um return of the electric horseman and uh well i can't really go past pick you up just such a great single yeah, I think it's aged pretty well. Like it's the song yeah. off this album that probably radio would go to. Yeah, yeah, and it's in drop C as well. Drop C. That's it. <laughs> it is. I th- Whoa. Well, the the E's tuned down to C. Yeah, I yeah. think the rest is standard. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I, it's quite I, unusual. For apparently, they named DAF after the chords. Yeah, DAF yeah, is yeah, the chords. Yeah, very. You know, <laughs> <laughs> call it something else. Really thought about it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. For me. I'm just, you know, scrolling down the songs and, you know, and I've, I've listened to it a few times uh, this week leading up to this and there's not one of them I would really, yeah, glimpse maybe, but, you know, that that's kind of if you're asking me to get rid of something. Mm. Yeah. Are we getting rid of something? Sorry. Was that the question? Well, no, what doesn't work? You know, <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of happy with it. Like yeah. before I knew it, it was hitting the... Um, hidden tracks and i went okay here's the hidden tracks because i think you're in a different frame of mind when you listen to hidden tracks because you know they're hidden tracks so yeah um you know i got to return of the electric horseman i just went oh yeah cool at the end and i never yeah it never felt like i was you know uh, tired by the end of it or anything so yeah Yeah. 
I'd probably um, bump Living Type if I had to knock one off the record. What, the, the, the third single? Yeah. Jesus <laughs> Track nine, JC. Ah, get rid of it. Uh, <laughs> JC, you'd knock. No, I was just saying not Jesus Christ. All yeah. oh, right, okay. Not yeah. blaspheming. Yeah. Um, look, look, If, if I, I think Take Me In was not a good choice of a fourth single because it is when you think of, you know, uh, the first single was Pick You Up, it's not really aggressive, is it? It's mm. rocky. But it's not turned up to eleven. Mm. DAF really more of an acoustic track, living type acoustic track, and then they did take me in. I, th- I thought it was quite weird um, that they released that as the fourth single. I don't think it hit. I don't think it even hit the charts at all. So. I, I remember seeing a live video of Powderfinger before this album was released, and they. I think the one song that was from Double Allergic that they played was um, "Take Me In." Oh, so, so it's an early one, you think? I think it's yeah. like probably the first song they wrote for the record, yeah. and it's still a bit of a hangover from the first one. Uh, I'd like to, yeah, yeah, I'd like to add in that that was released as a video single in Australia. Remember video singles, a VHS single. I remember mm. that. I remember seeing. Oh it. wow! It's like what the hell? I can't remember what the content on it was, but um, yeah. it was always about like three or four tracks, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was a live video from memory as well. There, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm sure that's but, up on YouTube somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. It, it wasn't a live recording. It was just them video of them playing live. Oh, okay. Boring. Album, yeah. That, that, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, I do remember Triple J playing JC a lot. And I remember loving that track. So that, that's why I think this album works because there's so much depth to it mm. that the album tracks work really well. And uh, boing, boing. Uh, as I said, it's my favorite. I just love the riff on that. I just, there's something about yeah. it. it. It's kind of that, that the piano, doom, doom, like the intro. And that's then it's the ching 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 ching. Yeah, for me it's just that's a pretty cool track. Gives also a banger. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. Great track. That's a great, great song. Yeah. yeah. I give a lot. Yeah. Well, yeah. let's see what our we're gonna talk about what our poll for this uh, episode how it shook out from our patron voters. But let's talk about our overall ratings for this album. Worthy album. Better EP. Decent single, Jay. I'm at a worthy album. Uh, like I said, as I spent more time with it, I uh, I understood it more. I wanted to listen to it more. I think it's it's a grower. Um, and I think if you're going to listen to it, especially now, if you don't have any context with it, you know, give yourself a little time with it. The only th- I think, you know, at the end it gets after track after. Uh, is it Oipic? So tr- from tracks eight through all the bonus tracks, it's a little hit and miss. I agree. JC is a really nice moment. It's a it's a cool shift, just sonically. Um, so I could see that either being like an album ender or maybe pushing it up further to kind of give you a break in the middle. Um, so it gets a little long at the end, but uh, not enough for me to go down to an EP. So I'm I'm gonna wear the album. I agree with you. And your sentiments as well. I think um, there's just a couple tracks towards the back end, ten, you know, the ten eleven area, where I, I don't know that that necessarily needed to happen, and um, or they could have just been left as B sides or something like that. And uh, but I, I just I really appreciate the individual attention each song was given from both a both a guitar standpoint and all the different cool little effects that are used and then the production that makes each song 
you know, cohesive, but also give it its own personality. That's really hard to do to make a band sound cohesive across an entire record, but then also shift things up enough so that you are given something a little bit tasty on each song to um, to uh, reward your hearing and your listening. So I think it's a worthy album as well, gentlemen. Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I'd just like to add that so, um, you can't, well, you can kind of see it over Grant's right shoulder. He's got a lot of his old tickets, uh, ticket stubs, and right up top is the Powderfinger gig that apparently we both went to. We didn't know each other back then. But, no. Uh, it, was, uh, it was in 97 because it, it, it was a bit of a slow grow with this album. So uh, it, it took a few, I think it took a few months to hit. And it was with Big Heavy Stuff and Jebediah. There yeah. you go. So, and I think we've discussed both bands before. Definitely Big Heavy Stuff. Big, Big Heavy, Heavy Stuff, yeah. Uh, Jebediah is coming up. Jebediah is coming up. Oh, really? So, oh, who's doing that? Uh, well, it's, I, it was suggested it'll be in a poll in the future. So I, I'll, 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 let, me, let me backtrack a little bit. I think I suggested <laughs> Who did that? I did, yeah. You yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, it sounds like something you I do. I forgot I did. Uh, <laughs> so the folks at Patreon, they the, the majority went with Worthy Album. 63% Worthy Album, 25% Better EP, and 13% with a decent single. So there were some... Uh, some outliers in this poll but the the majority went with where the album so you guys are vindicated with yeah uh, with patreon well when i was at uni uh 63 was a p2 so that's a pass i'll be sleeping well tonight <laughs> safe in the knowledge that people like powder 63 uh was a an f plus or a uh, d minus <laughs> Uh, for us in grade school, and that was where I hovered for much of my uh, math and chemistry grades. So somehow I got it. a maths uh, maths degree. Yeah, I did. I did. I did bloody so much maths at uni. It's ridiculous how I got a degree out of it. I have no idea. No wonder, but I did nothing in it after I left uni because I got so sick of it. FYI. Yeah. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for for sharing this record with us. And um, uh, Grant, you have the T-shirt on, so why don't you uh, mention where you're going to be, what you're going to be doing for the next uh, couple of months? Uh, I'm a front of house sound engineer for a band called Dry Cleaning, who are doing very well, um, which very is well. lovely. Um, so yeah, we're coming to America um, in May, I think. I think we're yep. coming over three times. We're doing like we're coming over for one West Coast run, uh, which finishes at Primavera, LA. And then we do the Midwest, and then I then we do the East Coast. Um, so it's not like a full tour, but um, yeah, I'll be around. You're, Come you're say hello. If you're in, uh, I believe yeah. it starts out uh, in Canada, and then it'll be hitting the big cities like, uh, you know, all the big where all the they they miss the flyovers like me, but they hit the big cities, and they'll be Jay. They'll be down in Texas for a couple of dates. So yeah, uh, I see that, Austin. Yeah, come say hello with the venue. Uh, Grant, Grant, we'll that. The list. what venue is it? Hotel Vegas. What? Grant. Really? What's that? It's like? on East Sixth Street. I don't. I've never been to the venue. East Sixth is kind of the nickname for it in Austin. Is Thirty Sixth. <laughs> <laughs> the, gr- uh, the grimiest, dirtiest part of Austin. Look, look forward to it nicely. Yeah, all yours. I'll be there. I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll barbecue, no doubt. <laughs> Can't wait. 
<laughs> definitely barbecue. Yeah, oh, you'll, yeah, you'll get some definitely good, barbecue. Get some good barbecue down there, no doubt. Oh, yeah. And maybe, and maybe oh, a disease. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Weigh that up. Weigh it up. Still worth it. Excellent. That's that's great. Yeah. Uh, I want to remind the folks at home and who are watching this on the live stream that if you would like to become a patron, you can do so by going to the Dig Me Out union.com website or the dmounion.com website and you can become a union member for just two bucks a month and actually if you sign up for the yearly charge it's even like less than that it's like i don't know nickels and uh and uh, you get to vote in the polls you get to vote in the album review polls and the monthly uh album selection polls every month we let people suggest an album at our website and then they go into the poll and they the patrons pick them and we do an album every month based on those votes and then they also get the exclusive 80s episodes recently just went up dio we did some dio from 1984 or 5 what year i don't remember what year that was but uh we did the last in line the second dio album and uh every other month 80s albums we've got over almost two dozen of them up there now for people to check out and uh you can just go to digmeoutpodcast.com to uh to get all that information as well as our box newsletter that comes out every month the box or ex- actually every week every week the box newsletter comes out it's a calendar of new releases related to 80s and 90s music as well as 1 minute reviews of new albums books movies tv shows documentaries anything related to what the podcast covers we do couple of those one minute reviews for new things that have come out and then lastly if you like what you heard please consider leaving us some positive feedback over at apple podcasts gents it's been fun enjoy your evening yes we'll do you too and lunchtime (laughs) lunch yeah it's lunchtime for us jay will be snacking on some barbecue and uh i I will please you will (laughs) he's probably got the smoker going right now and uh i have i have some leftovers from from tomorrow i'm anxious to get to oh nice have a taste better as well yesterday yeah all right for jay i'm tim we're out we'll be back next week with another episode of dig me out